Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am coming to you live this morning, not from the yard in, but I am coming to you live today from inside a Farm Bureau office, which I've done many podcasts from this room before, but it's important that I bring up Farm Bureau today because we are we are just really sharing the Farm Bureau love this week. So I'm currently in the San Luis Obispo County Farm Bureau office on the central coast of California, but my guest today is tuning in from another California Farm Bureau office in a different region. Anna Genesi, Communication and Education Director, has spent the last 15 years working in agriculture. Beginning her career with Stanislaus County Agricultural Commissioner as a pesticide inspector, she soon learned that helping growers was her passion. After working in agriculture compliance with AgSafe, she now offers her experience to Farm Bureau members through her current role with Stanislaus County Farm Bureau, most recently sharing the stories of farmers, ranchers, and dairymen through a video series called Farm Bureau Foodies. Anna is also a wife and a mom, two roles that fill her heart. Let's dive on in and meet Anna. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now, let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Anna. Hi, Kaya. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. We are just, I wish I could keep track of how many Farm Bureau folks I've had on the show now, because clearly I love the organization, or at least the people in the organization so much. So I'm so excited to have you tuning in from another Farm Bureau office today. Yeah, thanks. So I'm I'm coming to you from Stanislaus County Farm Bureau. And for those who are listening who maybe don't know where that is, we're kind of the heart of the Central Valley. So Modesto is our office location, and my husband and I live in Oakdale, where we're raising our three beautiful kiddos. Oh, I love it. Now, when people say, for those that aren't from California, when people talk about the central coast of California, I would say, you correct me if I'm wrong, I would say it's like the central strip in the middle of the state where a lot of agriculture is. And when I personally, when I think of the Central Valley, the first thing that comes to mind for me is dairy. Yeah. So it's actually, dairy is our number two commodity here. Almonds or almonds, depending on where you're from, <laughs> is our number one. And then milk, dairy cattle, silage are in the top like five. And my husband, who actually is a Farm Bureau employee himself, different county, comes from a long line of dairymen. His family retired from the dairy business after 105 years of milking cows. So just a pretty, little while. No big deal. Yeah, pretty, pretty proud of that legacy for, for our family. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Now, I wanted to ask you because I there's a lot about you that I don't know yet. So I'm so excited to chat more today. Now, I know that you have a background in agriculture professionally. Did you grow up in agriculture as well? So my, my story is kind of funny. I was born a generation too late. My grandma <laughs> grew up on like a Hereford cattle ranch. My dad then grew up in town, but spent his time working out there so by the time I was born, it was more of a hobby. We got to go out at roundups and things like that. 
And Mm -hmm. at 19, I was going to a local junior college and I came home to my folks and I said, this just isn't cutting it for me. I really want a career in agriculture. And I transferred to Modesto Junior College wanting to do ag communications. And my dad said to me, what are you going to do? Talk to cows? (laughs) And so here I am now 40 years old. I turned 40 this year. I'm kind of proud of that. Some people have trouble with it. I I kind of feel like it's just like a new, fresh Anna in some way. Mm -hmm. But now with this Farm Bureau Foodies thing that we're doing, I'm literally talking about agriculture, my passion, have the ability to advocate for farmers, ranchers, and dairymen. And my, my dad who isn't a big giver of like accolades said to me, like, I'm proud of you, kid. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're doing what you set out to do. So that was pretty cool. Oh, I love that. Now, do you get to talk to a lot of cows too then? <laughs> I do. I try, you know, on a daily basis. <laughs> oh, they are beautiful. So <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. You know, I really, really appreciate your excitement about turning 40 this year because you're so right. There are so many people who, I know people who hate their birthdays because it's just this reminder to them that they're getting older. And I think perspective is powerful, right? And so I'm committed. I just, my big decade of a birthday this year was 30. And, you know, I know older people will be like, oh, 30, you're so young. You know what I mean? But I'm committed to believing that every decade and every new year is going to be the best one yet. I don't care if I'm turning 80. I don't care if I'm turning 93. I'm just committed to believing that every year is going to be the best. You know, Kaya, I just really feel like my 20s, there were a lot of lessons learned, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. relationship pitfalls and even career pitfalls. My 30s, I literally had my first baby five days before my 30th birthday. Mm -hmm. So my 30th birthday was all about like this sweet little boy that we just brought into our home who is crazy and wonderful. (laughs) And then now I kind of feel like Andrew and I, like in our marriage, we've been married over a decade. I'm more established in my career as is he. My kiddos are a little older now. My bonus baby, my, my stepson Carter just graduated from high school like he's on to that cool next chapter. My mm. baby just turned eight this last weekend. So it's it's this really cool phase that we're in. My children are like little humans now. They're not just babies. Andrew and I have great, amazing careers that we feel blessed and thankful for. Like it's just 40's been good to me. So I'm just going to ride mm. that train. Ride that train, girl. Absolutely. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you specifically about consumer education, because I know that this is a huge, huge passion of yours. And it sounds like it has been a passion of yours for a while. Now, my first question for you is, you know, in your experience, what is the importance of this consumer outreach, consumer education piece when it comes to agriculture and the future of our industry? I think it's the key to our viability in California you know, less than 1% of the population now is involved in production agriculture. I don't think folks, and when I say that consumers, lawmakers, Californians who aren't directly tied to ag, understand what goes into growing or raising product that we enjoy on our tables, right? Mm -hmm. And then the security around showing up to the grocery store every day, and that, that food being there for us. And as farms consolidate, 
due to, quite frankly, overregulation, we have less farmers, ranchers, and dairymen. So our voice gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I really feel like the only way we make it out of here alive in a state that I feel like sometimes doesn't really appreciate our industry is that we we need to talk to consumers. They And I I used to say, I want folks to have an understanding of production and agriculture. I don't even say that anymore because it's too scientific, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's agronomy and pesticides and plant science. And now it's, it's really like, I just want folks to have an appreciation for the Mm -hmm. person who's, that's their livelihood, right? They're where they're farming, where they're ranching, where they're raising animals is also where they're raising their family. They're living in those spaces. They're eating that produce. They're drinking that water. I'm not saying that we're doing things perfectly. And I think there's always room for improvement, but we're doing a pretty damn good job. And that's the message that I want folks to hear. And I think the only way we can do that is to connect people who are enjoying the food, the produce, the beef, whatever. I just did a video on squab. We need to connect those folks with the people that are, that are actually doing that work. So Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that you're like, I don't even care for people to understand how it happens. I just want them to have an appreciation for it. And it got me thinking and getting a little curious about, I'm like, you know what? You're right. When I think about other industries that I rely on, for example, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, okay? I do not need to understand the science behind why my doctor does certain things. What I feel like I need as a patient is just to trust that they have my best interests in mind and my highest good in mind, right? Mm -hmm. For me to enjoy their services. And I feel like the same thing is kind of true when it comes to agriculture is if people do want to know more about how it's raised and how it's produced by all means, I know that most people in agriculture are more than happy to share that with them. But I think at the end of the day, it's about how can we build a relationship with consumers so that first of all, agriculture is listening to what consumers want and their opinions Mm -hmm. that they're voicing, but also that we are building that trust so consumers can go to the grocery store and not have to think, I don't know how this was raised, but I just trust that it was raised with my highest good in mind. Yeah. And I'm really an advocate for, I mean, obviously I'm in California. I represent California farmers, ranchers, and dairymen. But if you're buying a California grown product, I say with 100% certainty, you are buying the safest, most sustainably grown food source in the world. And what concerns me when we have regulations and things that are coming out of legislative offices rather than grassroots, we're not having a chance to communicate the good that we're already doing. Mm -hmm. I literally had a a day-long meeting yesterday with the Department of Pesticide Regulation in a very grassrootsy Farm Bureau way. We invited the director of the Department of Pesticide Regulation to come talk to us about our practices in regards to pesticides. And I know that's a controversial topic, but it's a tool in our toolbox and one that needs Mm -hmm. to be used with great care. But it is a tool that on occasion has to be used. And it was remarkable to me you know, we had Julie out, we did some farm tours, we had some kind of roundtable discussions with some of our growers. And I really felt like by the end of the day, we had opened her eyes a little bit to some of the good practices that we're already doing that maybe she's not hearing about, because mm-hmm. other voices tend to chime in a little more loudly than than we do. And that's a place where I think we have not done ourselves any good service. I think Mm -hmm. farmers in general tend to be kind of private people, right? They like being in a tractor all day by themselves. 
And so in that void of them not sharing their story, other folks are filling in for us. And it's not always accurate information. And that's why I feel just really strongly about foodies. I mean, if you watch the videos, they're kind of fun, they're lighthearted, but there's an element of ag education in there. And then just an appreciation for that, that individual who is raising the cow for milk or growing the squab, or I think we did one on almonds, almonds, whatever. I actually got my first hate mail. Not oh, no. Hate, you know what you I know, mean? That usually means that you've made it if you've gotten hate I mail. I know. I, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was with my family. We had actually just taken family photos and my watch pinged that I had an email. And of course, me being me, I had to check it. And it was a, a gentleman, I think from the Sacramento area saying he cringed. And I will never forget that word now. Cringed every time I said almond instead of almond. And that the episode would have been perfect had I not mispronounced that word. Oh, my gosh. And so once I got over my initial reaction, which was like, whatever, buddy. I sent him a note and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad you watched. I am so thankful that you listened in. By the way, the you know the pronunciation is a regional thing, and thank you for bringing it up. I'll 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 kind of bring that into a next episode, right? Love that. Yeah, and so I shared with my board. I was like, well, I got my first hate mail, so we must be making some some headway here. Making progress, yes. Yeah. In fact, my husband Brent, who of course you know, being in the Farm Bureau world, when I first got my Slam article wrote about me by Vice News about being an advocate and the voice of basically they tried to claim that I worked for quote unquote big beef, you know, trying to use language to make something scary that wasn't scary. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified and mortified when I wake up to this article and all these like hate messages on Instagram and Brent's first response was, congratulations, babe. He's like, (laughs) if you're in politics or a public figure, you, you really know you've made it once you have a whole article going against you. I'm like, you're right. I like that perspective a whole lot better. So I guess congratulations are in order, Anna. Congrats. You are making some big, big moves. Okay. There's a couple of different things I want to talk about. I'm trying to decide which direction I want to take us first. I want to dig into Farm Bureau Foodies. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit more about California agriculture and food perception in California. Now, this is what I'll say. Being in agriculture, I have a lot of close friends in the industry all across the country. And people in agriculture in other states have a lot of opinions about California, right? And I know a big piece of that is because legislation that is passed in California eventually trickles into other states and really affects the way that they do business, right? So a lot of other states are very frustrated by California agriculture. Now, shifting gears from agriculture to a consumer perspective, I think some consumers might feel like, wait, what? Why? What's like, they might be surprised about the frustrations that farmers and ranchers in California have because I think they perceive, yes, California is the number one agriculture state, right? We grow over 400 commodities. And I would also generalize and say that a lot of Californians really pride themselves on that. They pride themselves on like local farm fresh food and they like to be known as foodies and they want to know their farmer and rancher and they they have all these thoughts and opinions. So can you, I guess, just touch on briefly, what is the biggest issue, do you think, the disconnect with consumers and why there is, why it's so hard to do business in agriculture in California and how that's disconnected from the public perception, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I I participated in a leadership program a couple years back, and part of it was visiting 
ag in other states. And we visited the state of Washington, which isn't mm-hmm. that far from us geographically. And when we met with their State Farm Bureau, they pretty much said to us, like, when California sneezes, we get a cold. And what they were saying to us is like, you guys set the freaking bar, whether good or bad, we mm-hmm. do. I started my career, as you mentioned, working in pesticide use enforcement. So I was literally the pesticide cop. I would drive around, stop people to make sure that they were using pesticides in a, in a safe manner, both safe to environment and humans. And I learned very quickly that 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 little report I was doing was just one teeny tiny slice of all the regulatory arms that touch agriculture. And I'm not saying that that regulations are bad because I think some of them are there for a reason. Right. But when they're being crafted by people that don't understand agriculture, then they're not reasonable. Mm-hmm. I know California Farm Bureau did a like an impact study a couple years back where the price of compliance had gone up like 300% or something wow. like that. So it just, it costs us more to do what other people are doing in other states. Mm-hmm. And part of the conversation that I was just a part of yesterday with a larger seed company, they basically said to us like, Hey gang, where we can get out of the United States and out of California and do the same practices, we are because mm-hmm. we don't have the same burden of regulations. And this has got to be so challenging to think about. And I know that for those of you that haven't listened to episode 100 yet, I talked to my husband, Brent, mm-hmm. a very entertaining conversation, by the way. But one of the things we talk about is this issue of do we want to continue to have American grown food? Because if so, the direction we're headed is really looking differently just because the cost of doing business for lots of different reasons, but a strong one of those being the cost of being able to have a compliant business because of regulation and kind of red tape just really makes it next to impossible. And I think the thing is, is that I want to assume, because sometimes I feel like it's easy to talk about agriculture and it feels like there's this us and them, like the producers and the consumers. And it's not, that's not the case. I just think that well-intentioned voters on a ballot in California, right? The biggest population center, Los Angeles, San Francisco, there's people in between, but they're a lot more spread out, right? So that's our big concentration. And I think all of those voters are very well-intentioned when they look on a ballot and make a decision, but they are making a vote based on one little sentence in a ballot line. And they're always written in a way that makes it feel like, well, I'm a bad person if I vote no on this. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize all the ramifications of that one piece of legislation and how it impacts the entire food supply system. And so there's just so, there's so much disconnect. And sometimes it's hard not to feel a little hopeless. I don't want to say hopeless because I'm a very hopeful person, but especially in the line of work that you and my husband do, it feels like, my husband has said this before, he said it feels like he's going to war every single morning just so his farmers and ranchers can continue to farm and ranch in this state. Yeah, I agree. It is hard. I mean, I just coming off that meeting yesterday, going home, and obviously my husband and I talk a lot of shop, right? Because we work in similar industry. It's hard to stay positive especially, you know, Farm Bureau is a membership organization. So we survive because people want to join and people want to join when we're being successful. And we Mm -hmm. haven't had, frankly, a lot of wins in recent years. And I just think it means we need to start doing things differently. 
I jump at the opportunity when I have an outside group ask me to come speak. So whether it's a rotary, I I spoke at a women's group that was predominantly retired teachers. They tend to be a little more liberal in thinking. And so I had to take on some some tough questions. But I, I jump at those opportunities because my my call to action is always if there is something on the ballot that is ag related, call your local Farm Bureau and get their opinion on it before you vote. Mm-hmm. Now, you they can go forward and vote how they want. But what I'm asking sure. is give us an opportunity to just chat with you about why we stand either yay or nay on a particular item. Just give us a chance to chime in. Yeah. Do you know what my favorite thing ever in the entire world is? Talking. Surprise, surprise, I have a podcast, but not just talking into a microphone. No, my favorite thing ever is talking and connecting with people. And more than anything, really empowering people to recognize their own power and magic within them. In fact, I love it so much that I have opened up my calendar for you to be able to book your very own Power Hour coaching session with me. So if you're needing some support to tackle your big goal, whatever that may be, maybe overcome self-doubt or reconnect with yourself on a deeper level, if you've ever wanted to pick my brain, bounce some ideas off of me or ask me for specific guidance when it comes to business or making a website or launching a podcast or really whatever it is, or heck, even if you just need to laugh, cry or dance with someone, by golly, I am your girl. I have just opened up my private one-on-one coaching power hour sessions. Now, what does that mean? Well, a power hour means that you get to book me on my calendar for one hour. That's one hour, no strings attached. You don't have to commit to some long coaching program. It's just you and me and an empowered hour for connection, coaching, and growth in whatever topic and whatever direction you want to go. Because guess what I love? I love talking and I love you, and I would love to help support you in whatever way I can. If you're interested in booking a Power Hour coaching session with me, visit coachkaya.com forward slash coaching or visit the link down below in the show notes. Again, to book a call with me, that is coachkaya.com forward slash coaching. I cannot wait to chat with you. Now, listen, I... I know that politics are important. Okay. My grandpa made that very clear to me, but I'll be honest with you. Politics and legislation are not my favorite conversations, but what I love to talk about is communications and storytelling, which is a perfect chance for us to shift gears because what I think is so cool about the work that you guys have done with this program that I want you to tell us more about for Stanislaus County Farm Bureau is you see this need and this gap in agriculture, which is really the storytelling piece of being able to say, okay, how do we connect our consumers to their food? How do we connect them to the the growers behind the things that they're enjoying every single day? So I want you to tell us a little bit more about what Farm Bureau Foodies is and where they can find it, what the purpose of the show is and all that good stuff. Because I love this project so much. Thanks, Kaya. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. It's like my baby. <laughs> the idea came, actually, we were sitting here during covid not having our normal events and and outreach activities and our collective staff were chatting and that's kind of where the the idea was born. I credit my coworker Tom for the the name Farm Bureau Foodies. But basically it's kind of anti-farm to fork, right? Most programs will start with the farm and then move their way to the food. 
our idea was I'm, I want to hook you in. I, I want to catch the foodies in the world, the people who just mm-hmm. enjoy a good meal and, and have the opportunity to kind of back into the story of the farmer, rancher, or dairyman. And I feel like there's something really special and, and kind of a level playing field when we all sit down to a meal together. Like mm-hmm. even you're sitting across the table with somebody who may not agree with you, but there's something about just, you're going to have the manners, you're going to be polite. We're enjoying this meal together. And I feel like there's good conversation that can happen there. So for me, that's kind of the inspiration, like let's enjoy this good meal. Let's, you know, work with a chef, you know, let's have a little fun. I'm going to do one here coming up where we're using some junior chefs, some kiddos, Ooh, um, which I think will be very entertaining. But then have a chance to like weave in some ag education. We've done things like talked about bee health. You know, I don't know if folks know that we bring in like we, California, we bring in a ton of bees during pollination season. And the Ammon Board of California has actually done research that demonstrates that bees leave California healthier than they got here. What a great message for us to tell consumers, like be proud of the stewards that we are while our, our bees are visiting we just finished up a, a video with Crystal Cramery and a local dairyman, and they're winning awards for their stewardship and green energy practices. Those are the stories that we need to be getting out there. You know, I, I hate it when I hear people say, oh, climate change is because of cows. Well, wait a minute. Let's break that down. You know, go spend a little time looking at 99 and all the traffic that sits on the highway and then and then go spend some time with some cows and and talk to me about who the polluters are. Right. So we just we need to do a better job of communicating. I love doing this. Never in a million years did I think I would be hosting a TV series. I literally was the the kid in college who would throw up before a presentation because I was scared, so scared to get in front of anyone, especially my peers. And I I credit my time at AgSafe for kind of giving me the courage and frankly, kicking me out of the nest um, <laughs> to get out of that space. And now I find mm-hmm. that speaking either on camera or in front of people is, is like a adrenaline rush. Like it's a really mm-hmm. positive experience. I'm exhausted afterwards, but I just love that that moment it feels so good now. Tell me what it was like when you first kind of stepped into that role, like faced that fear of like, oh my gosh, I guess we're doing this. Like, how did you, how did you feel at the beginning going into that? And how did you kind of overcome that to, to see the success that you've had thus far? Well, there was like this really one defining moment. I was working for AgSafe. We were at Fresno County Farm Bureau, actually, going to do a pesticide safety class. And it was my first time that, that I was going to be teaching on my own. And it was coming up to the part where it was time for me to take over. The Spanish Mm -hmm. class had wrapped up and I was going to take off with the English class. And I remember walking into the bathroom, the ladies room at Fresno County Farm Bureau and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, Anna, it is now or never. Rip the freaking bandaid off. You have pushed out two babies and survived. You can do this. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a big deal. And I did it. I think I was drenched in sweat by the time I was done, but each time it got easier. I mean, I know that's a cliche. That's what everybody says, but it did get easier. And then when we were working on foodies and I was working with a local video team who does ag stories, 
Roberto is his name. He's like, and I really feel like this needs a host. Like there should be somebody like interacting and not just filming someone on camera. And in the back of my head, I was secretly thinking, gosh, I think I would love to do that. Mm. But I didn't say anything at that mm. moment. And we talked about like hiring a host and what would that cost? And and for those of you who don't know, Farm Bureau is a nonprofit organization. So we run on a very tight budget. And so I'm actually doing all of this Farm Bureau foodie stuff via 100% sponsorship. Mm-hmm. There is no budget line in our, in our budget. And it was Roberto actually who came back and said, you know what, Anna, I think you, I think you have a good personality. I, I feel like people enjoy talking to you and I think that'll show on camera. Why don't you try it? And I did. And I really liked it, <laughs> which is kind of hard to admit. I don't know. It's weird, like being in front of the camera and, and saying you enjoy that. But I do. I just get mm-hmm. such great pleasure out of asking the questions that I know people are passionate about. And mm-hmm. it'll result in these amazing answers, right? Because they're super excited about what they do. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that it feels weird to admit that you like being in front of the camera? I don't know. It seems awfully bold. No, like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. And I think as people get to know me, I mean, my, my love language is, is speaking <laughs> like I, yeah. that's how I connect with people. So it's not shocking that, that I enjoy it, but I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to like be out in front and then it's uh-huh. really weird to watch yourself on camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you've experienced that as well. Like you go, I go back yeah. anyways, and I'm like, Oh, you sound so silly there. Why did you say <laughs> that? Or what's that face? But at yeah. least it's authentic. You know, you're getting me. So totally. You yeah. know, I, I asked you the question just because I love to be compassionately curious about everything, to be honest. And I just, I feel like someone's listening to this and probably can understand that same feeling of like, oh, I actually really enjoy that, but it feels weird to admit that. Whatever the thing is, right? It doesn't have to be talking in front of people. It doesn't have to be be on camera. But I think it's, it's interesting to get curious about why we feel weird. And maybe it's like, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. I think maybe it's part of like, well, I mean, who am I to be the one in front of the camera? Yes. I shouldn't enjoy this that so much. I'm not an actress. It's like our imposter syndrome kind of like yes. stops us from really being able to own and embrace that identity fully. We don't even give ourselves permission to admit that we enjoy it. And yeah. I think that it's interesting. And I think there's probably a lot of people that have something in their life that they really enjoy, but they just don't give themselves full permission to like embrace that identity or fully enjoy it because they think, you know, who am I to do that? Yeah. And I think some of it stems too. I mean, I I shared with you, I have struggled with my weight and Mm -hmm. my overall health, gosh, from like adolescent to now. I mean, I can remember being teased about being overweight in third grade. So it's been a lifelong struggle. And so having the confidence to get in front of a camera Mm -hmm. when I'm still not exactly where I want to be, Mm -hmm. that can be really hard. Yeah, you know, to see yourself on camera and go, oh my lands, I can see that role, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so th- I think that's a part of it too. Is is there's still that person in me from four years ago? Is kind of when I started my my health journey, saying you can't do this, you can't be in front of a camera looking this way. You need to wait till you hit your goal. And at this point, like I said, there's something awesome. I think about turning forty. I'm kind of like, well, the time is now. So. I so appreciate you sharing that and being so vulnerable and honest about sharing that because I think it's just a beautiful reminder that when we show up in 
whatever space professionally, you know, for our job, even for like our creative projects, whatever it is, we are whole people. And when we step into an office in our, you know, professional role, when we step in front of the camera in our professional role, we are bringing with us all of our own wounds and insecurities and thoughts and feelings and self-doubt. And I think it's just important that we humanize each other and remind one another that it's okay. And we can look, it's so easy to look at someone and be like, oh my gosh, look at her. She has her own TV show and think she has something that I don't have because I still have these self-doubts. It's like, no, actually it's about learning how to notice these old stories or old thoughts and carry them with us or kind of turn up the dial on the other thoughts that are true of like, I'm very capable. I'm actually very good at this. I actually really enjoy this. And I can still have some of those old worries behind me, but they don't have to be the thing that keeps me back and held in fear instead of stepping into what I meant to do and what I enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I I have found, I really feel like I have found my sweet spot professionally. I get to work on projects that are creative and fun and interesting. And I, there's an amazing team that works here. And for me now, it's like, how do I continue to grow in this role? How do I keep fighting the good fight of maybe someday reaching my health goals? And yeah, I feel, I feel pretty blessed. And I feel like it's really important any, whether female or male, but I think females probably carry this heavier in, in terms of like our appearance I had people say to me, like, even when I was at my heaviest, Anna, you still carried yourself with grace and confidence. And I didn't know that that's what I was projecting because I certainly didn't feel it. I feel it more now because I think I consciously make better decisions mostly. (laughs) We just came off of a week-long vacation where I pretty much ate my weight in ice cream, but that's fine. You know, we were celebrating things, but... Yeah, it's it's definitely still an underlying thing for me and a and a daily struggle. Sure, sure. And I think I think it's also important for us to keep in mind too and and I love that you're sharing this so openly because I think that sometimes things can feel like they're going really really amazing and awesome in one area of our life and we can mm-hmm. feel like we are limping along in another area. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or anything bad. It's just I think that there is this illusion of balance that we try to strive for sometimes. And I think that balance is a moment in time, but it's almost impossible to have everything at 100% in all areas of your life. And so I think it's just a beautiful reminder that we need to give ourselves some grace, right? Because I remember that when I was felt like I was killing it the most on my health journey, Mm-hmm. I wasn't killing it the most at everything else I was doing, right? That's just where I was giving a lot of my time and energy. And so for those of you listening right now that feel like, wow, things are going great over here, but mm, I've got a lot of work to do over here, join the club, right? There's yeah. always room for improvement. You know, I wanted to ask you, and this kind of leads in perfectly, the show is called Climbing because it's all about climbing the mountains of life while finding joy in the journey. What is that mountain that you feel like you're currently climbing in your life or your career? Is it that health piece or or where are you at right now? Yeah, it's pro- it's probably predominantly the health piece. I mean, I, I literally just had a conversation with my husband where I said, you know, babe, what is going on? Like, I feel like in so many areas of my life, I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. I, I love being a mama. I think I do a pretty decent job doing it. <laughs> I, we are, our family dynamic is transitioning 
my, I, like I mentioned, my oldest just graduated and he has this amazing opportunity. He lives and works on a school farm. So he graduated on a Friday and then by the following Friday, he had moved out. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I, you know, that's a new stage of parenthood. So if anybody has any ideas on that, it's, I'm, I'm finding myself saying like, so are you, are you going to come home for dinner this week? Like, <laughs> we'd like to see you, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very proud of him. So I feel like I'm killing it as a mama. My husband and I have a fabulous relationship that I'm so thankful and proud of. Work is great. Always something new and exciting to work on. I wish I had some more time in the day would be my only complaint. But the the probably the the hurdle that is always in my mind is hitting my goal. It was three and a half years ago. I was sitting on the floor playing with my kids and I went to get up and it was really hard to mm-hmm. get off the floor. And that was kind of the moment that I was like, Anna, what are you doing? You're in your mid thirties and you can't get up off the ground. And it's, I get emotional just thinking about it. Um, and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And so I started making different choices about what I was eating, trying to get in more movement for folks who are listening. I literally just started by taking a walk like three times a week. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it was really little walks. And now it's really long walks. And I've tried to incorporate some other things. But frankly, walking is my favorite still. Mm -hmm. I work with a health coach who helps keep me accountable, which that's a big piece for me. And then I have, honest to goodness, like real setbacks on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. um, which is why I'm three and a half years into this. And I'm still you know, trying to lose that last like 25 pounds. And honestly, at this point, I don't know if that'll really ever happen. I think just developing a healthier relationship with food is the priority right now. Mm. I I love that you said that because this is the thing about health journeys too, is that I think a lot of us have this idea of like, okay, like I've been on my journey and my journey is in pursuit of this destination. And usually when we think about a destination on a health journey, we think of a certain goal weight, right? We've been so conditioned to focus so much on weight. And the truth about it is, darn it, is that our health journey is every single day until the day that we die, no matter what the weight is, right? It's something we have to choose every single day. And so I think a lot of us, I think it actually sometimes hurts us when we think about, okay, my health journey is about weight loss because then once you lose the weight, then what is it about, right? Yeah. So I love that you said it's about building a better relationship with food and maybe a better relationship with your body, the question I was going to ask you was, what if you set a health goal for yourself that was more based around how you want to feel in your body instead of making it about a number? What what would that goal be? How do you want to feel in your body? Yeah, that's great. Kaya. I literally, my health coach said something to me recently, like, what if you never hit that number, but you go down two pant sizes? What does that feel mm-hmm. like? How does that mm-hmm. look? Yeah, I I will say like just being mindful now about my health like I'm much better about I get an annual physical, I get my female checkup, I just had my first mammogram. Which Ooh, is not look as at bad you. as taking care of yourself. Be, by the way, <laughs> the old boobs smash. Yeah, oh man, I was so <laughs> nervous and then afterwards I was like, "Oh, this is not what I anticipated." It was <laughs> so much better than what I had oh, made it up in my head. That. But yeah, I just think, I think my relationship with food is I really need to not have it be the thing that I go to when I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and food is such a huge part of, I mean, I married a man who's an amazing cook. 
mm-hmm. Andrew. I love that for you. Yeah. Oh, my life. I'm so, <laughs> believe me, I know I'm lucky. He does all the grocery shopping and all the cooking. Wow. How do yeah. I train my husband? Yeah. It's, but see, this is what Andrew does. Andrew reads and cooks when he's uh-huh. stressed. So he's like a really quiet stressor where I am mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, we have to clean the garage. I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> and he's just like, it's okay, honey. You know? mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think food is how we celebrate in my family. Mm-hmm. It's how we, the kids do well on a report card. Let's go out to ice cream. Right. I think that 80-20 rule is really important. This is something I got from my health coach. Like, look, 80% of the time, go ahead and make those healthy choices and, and mm-hmm. say no thank you where it makes sense. And then 20% of the time, have the damn ice cream with your kiddos. Yeah. And then don't carry mm-hmm. guilt about that Absolutely. because that's a sweet little moment with them that they'll remember. And mm-hmm. now they'll say to me like, hey, mom, we did get on our report cards. Should we celebrate with ice cream? <laughs> you know? So it's like a fun little thing that that we get to do now. Yeah. yeah. I love that. You know. I also think that a big part of a health journey, and I would I would even argue that maybe the hardest part of any health journey is, you know, I know we put so much emphasis on making different choices, which is obviously huge when it comes to how we nourish our body, how we fuel our body, how we take care of our body, when we make doctor's appointments, all these things. But I think for me, it's very important that we don't forget that a big piece of the health journey is also the relationship that we have in terms of the conversations we have with ourselves around yeah. When we do make a bad choice, how are we speaking to ourselves? When we make a good choice, how are we speaking to ourselves? What are we making certain things mean about us? What is our relationship like when we look in the mirror? And I think that the mental health aspect of is is so, so important. And I want to just celebrate those of you that might be listening that might be like, yeah, I've been on the health training for a long time, haven't seen any progress physically. That's okay. That does not mean that no progress has been made. I've been really focusing personally a lot lately on celebrating my wins in terms of my relationship with my body image, because that Mm -hmm. is a piece of the story. And I think it's really important and really just learning how to remove the shame and guilt out of our food choices, out of our our bodies is so huge. I did want to share two recommendations for books that I think are really, really helpful for anybody that's kind of in the same place as you are right now, Anna, which I know is a lot of people when it comes to really healing their relationship with food and being more mindful. The first is called Intuitive Eating by registered dietitians Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. It's called Intuitive Eating and it is seriously such a beautiful, beautiful way to really rethink your relationship with food and doing so without the diet culture influence perspective. Really, really helpful. I highly recommend it. There's also a ton of amazing intuitive eating registered dietitians on social media that have some really incredible content to help support that as well if you resonate with kind of that approach. And the second book is um, a previous guest I've actually had on the podcast. Her name is Dr. Adrienne Udeem. And she is a doctor in Southern California. She actually focuses on nutrition and weight loss, but she wrote this really, really impactful book. It's called Hungry for More. And she shares stories of her clients. And of course, they're anonymous stories or she's changed their names, but it's really about learning our relationship with our hunger and recognizing that hunger is not just a physical thing. Hunger is also mental and emotional and spiritual. And just like you were saying earlier, 
you said you you wanted to find other ways to manage stress with, instead of food. And so recognizing that our hunger is is so deeply connected to so many other parts of ourselves besides just the physical urge for food. And I found that the story she shares helped me be so much more compassionate towards my lifelong struggle with food as well. And I think it's something that would really, really be helpful for you and for any of our listeners that are kind of in that same boat. I highly recommend. Yeah, thanks, Kai. I know one of the things that's helped me when I feel like I'm swaying off my path is I go back to my why. And a Mm. big part of my why is breaking the chain for my kids. I talk about my body the same way my mom talks about her body and the same way my sister talks about her body. And when they, if they're, if they listen to this, when they say those things, I say to them like aggressively, knock that off. Don't talk about yourself that way. Mm -hmm. Because when they're saying it, it's like, oh my gosh, like I love you and think you're beautiful and wonderful and strong. And my mom is frankly a badass. And, (laughs) you know, and I want her to see her the way that I see her. Right. Mm -hmm. And so why don't I have that same like fire for myself? Why am, why am I not saying to myself, Anna, knock that crap off. Like you don't get to talk to yourself that way. And so for me, a big part of this is all three of my kiddos, but in particular, my youngest, who's a little girl who is beautiful in so many ways. I don't want her to ever hear me speak about myself that way because I don't want to ever hear her speak about herself that way. And so they Carter, Cody, and and Andre May are big reasons why I keep sticking with this. And one of the things that's just been, I think, a real blessing in my journey is the time that works for me to work out when I do my little videos is when the kids happen to be sitting at the breakfast table. And so Mm -hmm. I'm literally in the living room, five feet away from them, and they're seeing mommy carve out 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever I have time for that morning and spend that time. And I love that they see that. So if nothing else, even if I never drop another pound, I love that they will have that memory of me carving out that time to take care of myself. Mm, I love that so, so much. So, so awesome. What a great example you are for your kiddos. Anna, I have thoroughly loved this conversation so, so much. The conversation about agriculture and advocacy and personal relationships with ourselves and how it shows up in our life and our careers. I know I could talk with you for hours and hours and hours, but for those of our listeners that want to check out the Farm Bureau Foodies and and more of the things you shared about, where can they go to do so? So right now we're, we're living on Facebook. So if you go to Farm Bureau Foodies on Facebook, you can find us, like, follow, all that jazz. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, um, I'm always open to, to that because, frankly, you know, we're doing all of this via sponsorship. But we've got some cool things coming, coming up. We're, we're included now in California Bountiful, which is a PBS program. Um, so we're, we're a little section in that, in those episodes now. And then just recently, I struck up a deal with our local baseball team. So we will be like a commercial that plays during the baseball games. I love that. Yeah, Cause the whole point is to get in front of people beyond agriculture, right? So why not the folks enjoying a, a great baseball game? But yeah, check us out. And then if, if you have, you know, story ideas or questions or, or anything, I'm always happy to like take a phone call or an email. Obviously, I enjoy talking. So 
<laughs> Amazing. And we will make sure to link all of that information down below in the show notes so you guys can check out some of the episodes. She does such an amazing job. And obviously, y'all know that I am all about sharing the stories of folks in agriculture around here. So definitely make sure to give them a watch. Anna, thank you so, so much for being here. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up this episode? Um, I just kind of, I want to say thank you. I mean, I feel like I know you because I listen to your podcast so regularly. You are the one that I listen to when I take my long walks. And I just really have always appreciated your vulnerability on your show. It's really nice to have a group of women that are supportive of each other. And I don't think we always do that. And so just thank you for having this platform and allowing that to happen. Oh, well, thank you. That means so much to me, honestly. Just it means so much to me that you listen to me on your walks. I know that is precious, precious personal time. So that seriously is the greatest compliment. And thank you for showing up today so vulnerably and open. I know that it's going to resonate with so, so many listeners today. And thank you, sweet listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.